All right, kids, remember you're all going to the same, same large class this morning. And uh, just a minute ago, I, I appreciate Logan gave me a word of encouragement as he, he leaned over and whispered, you have 15 minutes. That was a great word of encouragement this morning. So my, my plan is to take a 40-minute message, and we're going to work it into the next little bit. So just listen fast, and uh, we will... Hey, we'll just get to wherever God wants us to get this morning, and um, it's, it's all on his plan anyway. So, but if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, because uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Genesis chapter 16. So go ahead, and while you're turning there, we'll multitask as I intro where we're headed. Um, a few weeks ago, I talked about how one thing that we don't like to do is we don't like to admit failure. That's just sort of innate in all of us. Another thing that we don't like to do is wait. We don't like to wait, um, and uh, in fact, we pretty much create, like, I think, like, a lot of, there's, there's entire businesses that are, that are built around trying to eliminate things that we have to wait on or make things streamlined and faster, and so that we just don't have to, we just don't have to wait, but if we're at Walmart, it's, it's, it's just the natural inclination, inclination that if you, we're going to do the line test, right, you're going to see which ones, you know, there's, uh, you're going to even get to count items that are in bags, because you want to see where can I wait the least amount of, of time? How many of you guys remember dial-up internet? Remember dial-up internet? Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a thing. Uh, and uh, my earliest experience was that was America, uh, AOL, American, America Online. And, you know, you had to like, you know, you had to, and then like sometimes it would stall out and it wouldn't get anywhere. Or somebody would pick up the telephone and then you had to start all over again. You just had to sit there and wait can you imagine what would happen now if all the internet went back to dial-up? It would be mass hysteria all over the world because we don't like to wait. We just don't. We're, we're not very good at waiting. I read a research this week from a book that Danielle's reading, and they said that um, the average attention span has shrunk from 12 seconds in the year 2000 to 8 seconds now is the average attention span, which means that we now officially have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. That's encouraging. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't like to, we don't like to wait. I titled the message this morning, How Well Do You Wait? Because here's what's the truth, is that in the Christian life, there's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of, in fact, if you walk through the scriptures, it is dozens and dozens and dozens of times where we'll see, where we'll see the words, wait on the Lord. Because the inclination of our heart is to jump ahead and to try to figure out and fix and move in ways when it doesn't seem like God is moving, at least not in our, in our timetable. But a lot, of, a lot of the Christian life is waiting. When we get to this passage this, this morning... Very similar situation. In Genesis chapter 12, we talked about that, where, Ab- where God called this man Abram. Not because of something that he saw in him, but because of God's plan and purpose. He, he called Abram and said, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will multiply your descendants. And you get to Genesis chapter 15. We looked at last week, Pastor Kevin, and at the very beginning, it's already hasn't happened yet. And so Abram's kind of like, well, now about this whole I'll bless you and make you a great nation thing. I don't have anybody yet. So then Abram tries to suggest somebody and God says, no, I have a plan. You have to wait on me. And so they 
go and they, you know, again, the wait, they have the promise of God. You just have to wait. But notice God doesn't tell them when it's going to happen. He just tells them that it's going to happen. And so all that they have is the promise of God. All they have is the word of God, and that is what they have to place their trust in. It's the same thing today, is that we have to surrender and place our trust and our lives in the, the hands and the power and the timing of the Lord. And a lot of times that means wait. A lot of times that means wait. And maybe you're in a season of waiting in your own life, and my hope is that we would use this chapter as an example of how not to respond in a season of, of waiting. So look at chapter 16, and uh, we'll, we'll read this story together. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female servant, Egyptian servant, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, that it may be that I may have shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So, Abram had, so after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as his wife. And, she went, and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that he, she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power to do with her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, and the spring, um, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar... Servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Laharoi, lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, this is your word. And you, you have given it to us as a gift. Lord, we pray that you would take your word and that in the few minutes that we have, just to, to, to talk about it, to soak in it, Would you take it and would you plant it into our hearts? So, Lord, we trust you. We need you. We rely on you. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, a couple things that I want us to look at here, and we're just going to, we may have to rely heavily on our Hope Communities this week to kind of unpack some of these things that I won't have time 
uh, to do uh, this morning. Um, but here's what we're going to see. We get to chapter, one, chapter 16, verse 1, and it says that she had borne him no children. So now we're, we're about 10 years later. So the promise has been made. 10 years later, it still hasn't happened. So here she is again, still childless, still no son of the promise. So everything that, that God has said has not yet come to pass because it's on God's timetable and not on, on theirs. But what, what tends to happen, though, is when... when the seasons of waiting, then you can have doubt that creeps in, and you can have fear, and all the, the uncertainties. Well, well maybe, I, maybe I just misheard him. Maybe, maybe God you know, is not going to respond like, like, maybe it's just not going to pan out like, like God says it's going to. In fact, it, it begins to make us challenge the, the power of God, the love of God, the, 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 the sovereignty. of All of those things begin to come into question oftentimes in those seasons. But the foundational truth that we have to cling to uh, and that we have to kind of to lay out this morning is that waiting on the Lord requires faith. Waiting on the Lord requires faith. Essentially, do we believe that God is who he says he is? And do we believe that God's going to do what he says he's going to do? In every moment of our lives, when we're walking through seasons of, of waiting, we have to go back to that question. Okay, Yes, this is hard. Yes, this is difficult. But do I believe God is who he says he is? And do I believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do? And then I have to trust and submit to and surrender to that. Well, we get to this story, and of course, that's not exactly how it's, how it's panning out. And a lot of times, waiting can cause us to lose our faith and or it can cause us to grow in our faith. God can use the same exact circumstances to, to challenge us and to grow us. But what situations in your life have caused you to lose faith? What situations in your life have caused you to, to doubt the goodness and the faithfulness of God? And I would say this morning that, that maybe there's been those times and those moments in probably every single one of our lives. But God is calling us to look not at the circumstances, but to look at the God who's over the circumstances. Look at the God who's over that season that, of life that you may have walked through before. That, and look to his goodness and his faithfulness and his character that is unchanging, no matter what is changing around us. You see, here's what I think is going on with, Hagar, with, with Sarah here. We, we, it's easy to look and, and um, cast judgment on here. here. Here's what I think is happening. Um, I, th- I think she's speaking to the Lord out of her pain. I think that's what's, I think that's what's happening. So you think about it. It says that, um, you know, she was still childless 10 years later. And so she says, um, you know, behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. And, and, and listen, she's, she's not wrong, right? We know that God is sovereign over even childbirth. So God's sovereign over those things. But she's not praising the sovereignty of God here. No, she's casting blame. See, God, it's your fault that I haven't had a baby. So therefore, since you're not going to show up, here's what I'm going to do. I've got a plan. I'm going to figure this thing out on my own. But what's really happening is as I think she's, she's speaking out of just deep, deep hurt and pain in her heart. So she tells her husband, you know, Abram, and, and she says... You know, here's my plan, here's my servant. You take her and 
Let her be your wife. Now, Abram had an opportunity here. Men, listen. He had an opportunity here to lead his wife. He had an opportunity to say, Sarah, listen, I know you're hurting. I know this doesn't make sense right now. I know this is hard. I know it's difficult. I know that, that maybe you're, you know, being mocked by people around you. But, but we know the God that we serve. We know what he has said. We have his promise. And we just have to wait. We just have to be patient. We just have to stand and be steadfast until, the, until God moves. He had an opportunity and he failed. He didn't. Instead, he took the, the advice and the words of his wife and, and he followed after this plan that was against the plan that God had for them. You know, what's interesting is that if you were a, if you were an, a, um, a Hebrew, an, an Israelite at this time, and you were getting these words and you were, you, you know, after Moses had written them and you were listening, the words that here would have been a, just once again another reflection back to the garden when it says that Sarai... Uh, Saul, she saw that she was barren, she took Hagar and she gave her to her husband. It's the exact same word that you get in Genesis chapter 3 when Eve saw the fruit and she took it and she gave it to her husband. So an Israelite would have been reading it and saying, oh no, 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 no don't do that, not again. Let's not, let's not go here again. And yet that's exactly what, what happens. And then things go from bad to worse really, really quickly and it gets really messy but I think it starts because she's, she's responding and reacting out of her pain. You think about it. Um, she would have had the pain of public shame. You know, pregnancy was a blessing. And so to be barren was a sign of, you know, the, there is no favor of God. There's, maybe it's a cursing, a curse. It's something that's gone on in your life. And so she would have lived continually day by day in that. In fact, so because of the promise, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation and nothing's happening. Well, then, so maybe Sarah's the problem. Maybe then, maybe you, it's, it's all, so she's feeling the weight of the world on her, the public shame and disappointment, the pain of, the pain of heart, the pain of month after month and no, and no child. I remember when we were in seminary, um, seminary is where everybody has babies. It just, that's what, that's what happens. And, and so when we were in seminary, it was, they always had this joke, it's like, it must be in the water because everybody's popping out babies. And I remember uh, in that season, there was a there was a season there where we weren't we weren't able, we were trying we couldn't have we couldn't we were we weren't getting pregnant we weren't having a, a child and there was a there was a real um, difficult moment there for us because the, in fact for after month after month after month after month after month of trying and, and it was just disappointment after disappointment and then I remember for Danielle specifically this was a really heavy hard season because that's what the longing of our heart was like Lord like you said children are a blessing and we want to have children but yet. We can't have children. These other people are talking. They don't even want kids, and they're popping them out left and right. What's, what's going on? I remember it was one Mother's Day would come, and another Mother's Day, and it was like another reminder, another disappointment, another, another hurt, and another heartache. Well, that's, that's what's happening here. And so I think what's happening is that then she's responding out of that pain instead of out of trust in the Lord, the one who is sovereign over those things. The question is, where does your pain take you? Where does our, where does our pain lead us to? Does it lead us to fall on our face before the Lord in complete dependence on Him, or does it tend to turn our hearts away from Him? So things in this story just go from bad to worse 
Um, he goes into Hagar and she conceives and then Hagar gets prideful and, and maybe it's because she now has higher, she feels herself as higher status than Sarah. See, I have a baby, you don't. Something bad starts happening in the home. Sarah gets mad, so then Sarah starts blaming Abram and says, you know, even though it was her idea, she's still blaming him and actually a lot of blame does rely on him. And so she's blaming him, so this, this is your fault. And, and so the, the home starts coming crashing down. Whenever we step outside of God's design and God's plan and try to do things on our own, it's always going to end there. It's always going to end up in heartbreak, and it's going to end up in frustration. It's going to end up in all kinds of trouble. And so that this is, just goes from, from bad to worse, and, and then suddenly, finally, she, treats, she mistreats her and treats harshly with her, literally afflicts her to the point where Hagar flees and goes away. So sometimes in the waiting, there's, there's pain. There's pain in the waiting. But what we have to understand is that there's also purpose in the waiting. You know, God doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste it. In, in fact, he uses it for so many different ways in our lives. Now listen, when you're in a season of waiting, when we're in seasons of waiting, we don't always know why. And we're probably, there's a lot of times we're not going to ever know why. If you look at the story of Job, Job doesn't ever know why, like ever, it, from the entire thing. Now, we, we get to actually see at the very end the purposes of God in that, but there's never a moment when God explains, oh yeah, by the way, here's why I was doing this stuff. It wasn't until he got to heaven that he finally got to see the purposes of God unfold that God was doing in and through his life, but we don't always know why, but we can know that he's doing something, that God has a purpose and doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste the the waiting that we're in, there's things that we just don't always know. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, God is saying, listen to me, I'm doing something here that you don't yet understand, and maybe you never will, but you have to trust me in it. You have to, like, and listen, like, we can argue, we can fight, we can get upset, but that's, but that's not going to change anything. God is bigger, and God is greater, and God is gracious, and God is loving, and he's kind, and he is patient with us, and he draws us to look to him in those times. So what is God doing? Have you ever wondered that? Like, God, what are you, what are you doing in this season? Because I feel like I've been waiting a long time. And this, is, and this is really hard. What are you doing in this time? There's, uh, maybe we can have some time in our Hope communities to go through uh, in, in, in James. In fact, there's several chapters in the book of James that are very helpful as you think through per- enduring persecution, enduring trials and difficulties and things like that. But there's several things that I think God is doing. One, in those times, he's producing steadfastness in us. Uh, he's strengthening and building our faith. And then finally, the Lord is demonstrating his power. You know what the Lord has to do oftentimes? Is he has to let us get to a place where we don't know what else to do so that we get to see what he can do. Right? He, gets, he allows us to get in such a place where, well, I don't even know what to do right now. Like there's, 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 like, there's no hope here. And now the Lord's like, okay, now finally you realize that. So now I get to show off and show you that I'm the one who does it. You guys remember... Um, Last, uh, last year, we shared the story of Brett and Katie Johnson from Valley Bible, pastor friend of ours, 
Um, we, we partner with their church. We, we love their church family over there. And it's just a really cool partnership we get to have with them. Last year, they had a crazy situation happen where um, Katie got really sick and uh, took her to the hospital, and they found what they thought was a brain tumor. Um, and they were, it, was, it was very, like, everything happened very quickly, and they didn't know what was going to happen. And so they went to doctor appointment, doctor appointment. They went to the hospital. Finally, they sent her to, um, they sent her to Roanoke, and they looked at it. And again, they said, actually, no, this is not a brain tumor. This is an unruptured aneurysm. And they said, you, you could die at any moment. Like, we, we, we've got to act on this. And so they ended up taking her to, I believe it was uh, UVA or somewhere, and they took her to another hospital, and, and they were going to do this, uh, this, this emergency operation. Now, what's interesting is that any step along the way, the Lord could have healed her, right? The Lord could have taken it away. The Lord could have worked in a, you know, a, in a miraculous way at any moment during that Um, during those really difficult weeks, but he didn't. They had to press forward. They had to go to the next doctor's appointment. They had to have scare after scare after scare. So they got to the hospital uh, on the, the, I was talking to Brett yesterday, the the morning of the surgery, they took the last final imaging and they came out to him and he said, listen, um, this is worse than we thought. And most likely, she could die from this surgery that we're about to give to her. Um, most likely, she's going to be paralyzed. Uh, they were going to have to cause a stroke. And there all, all kinds of stuff they were going to have to do to, make, to, to work through this. Um, and so he said his goodbyes. Like Katie literally said goodbye to her family, not knowing if she would ever see them again. She said goodbye. Brett said he sat down in the waiting room. They took his wife away. And just a few minutes later, the doctor comes back, and he's like, oh, no. Like, this can, there's nothing good that can happen here. Like, this is, this, is not, this is not good. And the doctor goes over to him and says, um, we need to talk. And he said, um, I, I don't know what to tell you except that it's not there. Like, it's not. And Brett's like, what do you, <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean it's not there? He said, Here's the picture of the aneurysm. It's gone. Like, it's not even, and they said, well, what do you, what do you mean? He said, well, it's kind of like the, her body healed itself. Like, yeah, in five minutes, in five minutes, her body healed itself. And, and Brett said, oh, no. <laughs> he said, no. You know how many people have been praying for her around the world? No, the God of heaven stepped out of heaven and healed her in this moment so that it was clear it wasn't the doctors who did it, it wasn't the medicine, it wasn't anything except for the power of God that did this. So many times, the Lord, he gets into such a place, and then he works so that he gets the glory and no one else, because the God of heaven is the one who's with us He is power over anything that you and I can face. So maybe you're in a season of waiting, and maybe God is is being very intentional with that waiting time. He has a purpose in it. It's not going to be wasted. He's developing. He's working. And ultimately, so that we can see his power and his glory shine through. So there is a purpose in the waiting. There is a peace in the waiting um, you look at Philippians 4, I love this passage as well. It's, do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now listen, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, and then he will give you whatever you want. It doesn't say, and then he will immediately answer all your requests. It doesn't say, and then immediately the waiting will be over. No, what does it say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean the waiting is going to be over. But it means he will be with us in the midst of the waiting. Which is the last point. God is faithful in the waiting. God is faithful in the waiting. I love the, the end of this story. Listen, this, this is crazy. So Sarai abandoned God's desire and will for her. Abram abandoned God's desire and will for him. Hagar did as well. And at the end, God still shows up. Like, he's, he is still faithful. And, and you, you get this incredible passage here, which um, we're going to have to spend some more time in later on. Because it says, and then the angel of the Lord found her. Right, so the angel of the Lord um, is just a fascinating study. If you want to spend some time in that, I would encourage you to look through the different, there's about 58 different times in the Old Testament you see this phrase, the angel of the Lord. So we know that there is, there's messengers of God, right? There's angels, God's messengers. But then there's a, there's a special title for this angel, the angel of the Lord. And we see him again and again and again throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament. Um, and uh, without just, uh, just, just to sort of summarize it, you can do your own study um, but essentially, this is what we would call a, a theophany. It's, it's the presence or a physical manifestation of God to his people. M- many would look at this specifically and say this is actually, even a step, a step further, this is actually a Christophany. This is an this is Old Testament pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in these, in these moments. But for sure we know it's God who is, who is meeting with his people. We know that. We see it right here where the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord... And then it gets down to verse 13. And so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God who sees me. So she sees this, this angel of the Lord as, as, as not just a messenger, but God himself who, who, who cared so intimately in this moment that he took on this, this manifestation to be present with her in this moment. And we see it so many times throughout the scriptures. And so the, the point is this, is that God is, God is faithful and he doesn't abandon his people. Hagar gets a promise. It's, it's different than the promise that's going to be to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, but it's still a promise. It's a promise that's going to be, uh, that's going to be carried out that he's going, the Lord's going to be faithful, faithful too. But um, for the sake of this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to go ahead and try to... to, to to bring this to a close, um, Psalm 34, if you look at Psalm 34, it's a, just a beautiful testimony of the faithfulness of God in the midst of waiting, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of not sure what in the world is, is going on. Worship team, you guys can come on up. We're going to go ahead and try to transition here. Psalm 34, verse 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord what? Hears. Hears. Say it again. The Lord what? Hears. Hears. And delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is what? Near. Near. 
the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. What I love about Hagar's story is that she sees the Lord who rescued her and came to her and, and says, you are a God who, it, who has heard and sees. Like you're a God who sees me. So maybe for many times, I know in a season of waiting, it can be easy to feel like you're just left out. It can be, it can be easy to feel like, you know what, nobody, nobody sees, nobody cares, but God sees you right now. Where you are, whatever that situation is, he sees you, he hears you, and he is near. So what I love about the character of God is that when, there's the, when those moments come, he's not distant. He draws closer. He draws closer in those moments. So this morning, what, what I want us to do is just have a moment to pray because this is the truth, but a lot of times our circumstances try to shout louder than the truth. A lot of times our circumstances try to tell us uh, an untruth in the midst of God's truth. And we have to remind ourselves, remind our hearts of these things. Yes, the waiting is hard, but God is faithful in the midst of the waiting. And we can trust Him, and we can look to Him, and He will draw near to you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to have a moment to pray. I would encourage you, the best that you know how, from the bottom of your heart, just to cry out to the Lord. If you're not in a season of waiting, then you're about to hit into one. And say, Lord, would you remind my heart of the truth? Would you remind my heart that you are faithful and that you are good And when my heart tries to doubt, would you change my heart? Would you you produce steadfastness and patience in me? Would you produce faith in my heart? Would you strengthen faith in my heart? And would you display your power in this situation, this season? Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your steadfast love, that you don't leave us on our own, you don't leave us to ourselves. Because if we were left to ourselves, we would fail, we would fall. And so, Lord, you are the one who pursues us. You're the one who rescues us, who builds us up. Well, right now, I don't know what's on the hearts of everyone in here but you do. I pray, Lord, that if there is someone in here right now in this moment that's struggling, that's striving, that's hurting, that's confused, that's lost, Lord, that they would run to you. And that as the father who goes after the prodigal, Lord, that you would run after them and embrace them. If there's someone here, Lord, this morning that doesn't have, has never placed their their faith and trust in you, that today will be the day that they do that, that they cry out to you, a holy God, crying out for mercy and grace and forgiveness. So Holy Spirit, we, we just want you to do your work in our hearts.
every single heart. In Jesus' name, amen.